Well, good day, good afternoon to Olympic celebrators, observers, protesters, and indifference around the world. This is Dave O, the Olympic outsider. And I just have a couple minutes while I'm making my way to Canada Hockey Place, known to the locals as GM Place, or the rink with the NHL Vancouver Canucks play, because tonight, Russia and Latvia are set to face off in men's hockey. Now, even at this time, as I'm walking in real time, Canada men's hockey has made their debut, making their debut against Norway. It's up 3 nothing. So we're four or five days into the Olympics now. And I wanted to catch you up a little bit on a few things that I've been doing. I've got a few more podcasts I've been recording the last few days that haven't quite made it up yet. But before I let my production foibles thwart your listening enjoyment, I want to give you a few little observations along the way. Now, first thing I'm going to tell you is that, and I've said this before, so pardon me if you've heard it before, what you see on the ground is very different than what you see on TV. On TV, you see the majestic views and the high production values, and you see the sporting events, and then they'll have the sets where the newscasters are sitting with the view of the outdoors behind them. Maybe they'll go up and they'll do a little bit of, you know, a man on the street, human interest kind of story, some pre-produced pieces about the life story of various Olympians. But on the ground, it's a whole other vibe, right? Because most people can't can't actually go to the events. They don't have a ticket. They haven't bought them. They were confusing to get. Or in some cases, they've been recalled. But just for the regular people on about, there's a variety of free and cheap activities to participate in. And I participate in many. So let me tell you about a few of these. Before the Olympics officially started, I went to the opening of the Cultural Olympiad Digital Edition, a.k.a. Code. Now, they have three different uh, venues, one at the Emily Carr Institute of Art on Granville Island, the Great Northern Way Campus, uh, that's, I, I don't know, like, it's kind of a warehousey-like campus for some uh, consortium of a few different schools, and also the Vancouver Public Library. But the one that really was enjoyable was out at Great Northern Way, and there was all these different rooms, and in each room, you go through a curtain, and <clears throat> there's various, like, light light-centric uh, installation experiments uh, is kind of art meets science, right? You go in there and there'd be like robot cameras chasing people around is kind of a statement about paparazzi. Or in other places, the louder, the more commotion there is in the room, the brighter the lights get, which had my eyes spun out for about two days afterwards. It looked like going into a glow room, but that's another story. But my favorite part of that was is the room that was set up like basically an old hunting cabin. You go through the sleeping bag that was hanging over the door, and you go in there, and there's a bunch of old Chesterfields and Davenports and sofas, and you can sit down there and smell like Nog Champa and sage and maybe a little bit of weed. And, and they had Nunavut throat singers music playing in the background. Throughout the Olympics, they're having all kinds of DJs, uh, musical acts, all kinds of stuff. So if you're in Vancouver, you should definitely check that out. If you're not in Vancouver, poke around, you'll find a bunch of other great coverage out there. They've uh, outreached to a bunch of these social media makers, and uh, there's definitely some interesting things to see. Now, next thing, uh, for opening ceremonies, I went to the German Fan Fest house, uh, powered by the province of Turingen. This was, if anyone, again, if anyone's heard me give my Olympic spiel, this was something that was really exciting to me, because it was the same band, the same province, the same situation as my favorite party house in Salt Lake City that produced one of the funnest nights of my life. So, this one was... Uh, 
Well, this one was a beauty, and, and uh, let's just say uh, I had uh, several of those fine German dark beers, the Swords beers, and uh, a wicked, wicked Bockwurst sausage. They had these kind of little pork chops and smell of the meat on the barbecue and the giant empty kegs and all the beers. It was all very exciting. And then you throw in the whole opening ceremonies and having seen the torch, which you already heard about on the previous podcast, so I won't tell you about that. But all that commotion and everything leading up to this, it was like finally reached a fever pitch that, that night as everyone was rushing out of work and rushing to go find a place to go watch it. Now, the reaction to the opening ceremony has been kind of mixed. I personally thought it was pretty cool that it included some spoken word poetry, uh, you know, some, some openly queer folks. Fiddlers, punkers, funny haircuts, bears, whales, the whole thing looked a little bit psychedelic, which uh, appealed to me. And I've been told that everyone on the prairies can actually fly. So you learn a little something, too. But, of course, the thing that gets reported around the international mainstream news around the world is one of those little pillars, hydraulic things didn't work. Um, the premier and some First Nations chiefs were late arriving because of traffic snarls. Uh, you know, and they're emphasizing all the things that have gone horribly wrong rather than just rolling with it and seeing, seeing what they could find out of it that they enjoyed. So uh, the next day, while nursing my incredible hangover, several of my compatriots from the True North Media House campaign for inspiring, educating, and amplifying grassroots coverage were out there uh, being hmm, observers, documentary observers, uh, of uh, a variety of protests. Uh, now, the protests have become one of the big dialogues about the games, and it was a big dialogue leading up to the games, because there's a lot of people who really have issues with all this stuff. But what happens is that there's people who ha- feel like, you know, there should be more respect given to the First Nations that the Olympics is on stolen land. There's other people that, see, you know, there's, cause there's addiction and homeless problems here in uh, Vancouver, and see that this is a way to get that message out. However, the protests on Saturday morning, it was really people in black masks causing property damage and lashing out like violent use against any kind of signs of capitalism or Olympic support. And really what it came down to is just knocking over mailboxes, newspaper boxes, smashing windows, and other stuff like that that really isn't a, an effective way to, hmm, you know, put forth positive change and spread a message or whatever. So I've seen some more creative protests. Um, including one on the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery, which is kind of a traditional protest spot here in Vancouver, where uh, uh, the protesters were wearing orange jumpsuits as though they were at a place like Guantanamo Bay in prison, and they were holding up signs saying, do you believe in torture? Well, the Canadian government does. And it was really, they had a little bit more of a focused message uh, expressing their disgust and distaste with uh, Canada's presence in Afghanistan. But anyway, Saturday night, um, well, Saturday afternoon, I headed down to the Yale Town Live site, and in my uh, slightly haggard condition, I went out with a partially charged iPhone and a uh, and a audio recorder that I had left all in my pocket. So I really didn't produce much documentation, but had a lovely day out at the Yale Town Live site. Now these live sites, they're like uh, yeah, three, four, depending on how you count them. But they're public areas that you can go. you got to go through security and you got to do all this thing. And once you get in there, there's a bunch of sponsors, pavilions, and food services to buy. Uh, but the, the attraction is, for me anyway, is the entertainment. And usually I'm not someone who hangs out in Yale Town. 
But to go see the band Wilco, I was willing to go to the glassy new, you know, Yale County used to be old warehouses and old, you know, cobblestones and bricks and storage. And that was shiny, glassy towers that have become almost a cliche about Vancouver. But out there, in the, uh, it started raining as the band came on. And I sat through the Bollywood Entertainment Variety Show. We learned how to do a little bit of bonga dancing. I'm not particularly good, I'll admit that. Such a horrible band that sounded like a Nickelback cover band or something. Is there anything worse? And then a rather interesting uh, band from, well, somewhere from the States. And then Wilco came on to the chants of the crowd. It started raining, and this, everything was just glistening against these glossy buildings with the lights and the commotion. And Wilco came on. They're a great American rock and roll band. And put on just a just an incredible show for the people. And, you know, for me listening to it, it really sounded like hearing a history class of American music. You heard influences from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever we call it now, and up until 2020. We heard the future in there. An incredible guitar player who must have got 13 guitars and a effects rack of about 45 pedals. But it wasn't self-indulgent playing. They were just galloping down the road with uh, like a fury of what rock and roll was all about. It's about craftsmanship and it's about expression. It's not about style and pizzazz and stuff. And they just looked like you'd never recognize the guys on the street. They're just a bunch of dudes, but they were giving a, give it their all. They played right to the very last minute that they were legally allowed to. And just as they uh, finished their set, the fireworks spectacular began. We sat there as the rain started to die down. Wet, you know, wetness everywhere. And the fireworks re- reflecting off these buildings. Oh, it was something pretty, pretty amazing to see out there, no matter how you feel about, you know, fireworks, urban conditions as they are, and whatever. So then after that, I'm just walking by uh, an open-up bar here. So uh, after that, you know, my uh, my old man knees were achy, a pretty soaking wet. I was ready to head home, but... As I walked out of there, I just kind of got swept up with the commotion, seeing my city in this whole other light that I've never quite seen it in before. You know, Vancouver's usually they're pretty, keep it pretty tight, you know, about, like, drinking in public, causing too much commotion, to the point that some people in Canada call Vancouver the no-fun city. I don't know who those people are. They ain't hanging out with me. But um, walking from Yale Town up to Main Court downtown along Granville and Robson, 11.30 at night, the place was just rocking and bound to be rocking into the wee hours. But when I, it wasn't people necessarily hanging out in bars. It's just people out in the streets spontaneously singing, Oh Canada, dressed up in crazy costume, chanting USA or Canada and roving bands of Swedes and Norwegians and everyone else out and about just being and just looking and just seeing. There's something pretty neat to see. Clamoring around all these public installation art pieces, taking pictures, checking out all this stuff. Oh, and then I popped down like by the, the new ice rink. It's like the outdoor, underground, or uh, the covered ice rink, indoor, outdoor ice rink. But uh, Jeremy Fisher, great young uh, Vancouver singer songwriter, was there playing his set. I walked right up to see if he was playing that song I like so much. I'll be your cigarette, light me up, and get on with it. And then Hannah Georges came out and played a, played a song with him, a great uh, local folk singer. So it was just a treat to see that. Uh, so what happened from that, I just kept on walking and kept on walking until I got the last bus home. Now, Sunday, 
we woke up and the rain had stopped. It's just a splendid, sunshiny day here in Vancouver. It seems just full of endless possibilities. And as I headed out into the day of endless possibilities, I thought everyone else had the same feeling when they woke up. Wow, that's a day that we should be out and about. And then lineups and the craziness just to get on my beloved free bus. It was like a three-sailing wait. It just seemed like too much, man. We're only three days in at that point to a 17-long day, 17-day-long festival. Or longer, really. It's a couple months with the Paralympics and all the other stuff. So why burn yourself out, right? My pals all ended up down at Atlantic House on Granville Island, which was our plan. But it just didn't really come to But I know it'll, I'll eventually get down there. If I don't, I'll find something else to do, right? What's the big deal? There's no shortage of stuff to do. Instead, I stayed on uh, the North Shore and checked out the Russian tall ship. The largest sailing ship in the world is, uh, is in port here. And you can buy a ticket for like $98 to spend the night having a uh, Russian dinner and a, and, and a disco. They have a disco on board this sailing ship. And I thought someone had been on it. It's like going into some strange, surreal, Eastern European 80s disco kind of feeling, which I guess is, well, what you're, what you're paying for, right? So uh, suffice to say, I didn't uh, pony up the ducats for that. But did enjoy looking at it from the outside and just seeing all the commotion, the street musicians, the art exhibits, and all this stuff going on in our normally uh, mellow little neighborhood. That included right at our little local shopping center. They got screens set up, they had a rock climbing tower, and just people out hanging out, strangers talking, strangers stopping strangers, just just to shake their hands. Strangers stopping strangers, just to shake their hands. And then uh, Sunday evening, I actually managed to watch a little bit of this Olympics on television. Because, you know, sure, there's lots of good parties and lots of good fun out there. But, yeah, there's some sports going on, too. And, but you've been learning about all that information, I'm sure, from whatever news you're, you're watching. And you probably saw the great performances by some Canadian athletes or whatever country you're watching. They probably have done something well. You know, the Netherlanders won something big. The, watching the biathlon. How cool of a sport is that? Seeing all their different DIY-looking guns and... That was pretty neat, eh? So, then Monday, uh, I rallied up a little ragtag group of wandering minstrels, and we went to Canada's North House, Northern Canada House, Canada's North House. And that's the three territories of Northern Canada, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, and none of us rallied up and put a house together. And it's, you know, it's neat, because instead of being a, a beer tent or a party hall, like many of them are, which I support... And I've heard great things about some of them. Heineken House, Heineken Holland House, just been bananas, you know. Atlantic House, Ontario House, all all these different things. So it's good to go in and get a little education, right? Learn about uh, and see things carved from narwhal horns, narwhal tusks. They're like giant sea whale unicorns, right? They got this giant thing protruding out of their, uh, like their nose, right? That's just crazy. But I was able to speak with a couple of people there that you'll hear on an upcoming podcast, but a great place to go where you can hear some music. They've got sports going, like Inuit sports. They've got announcements and uh, stuff that they're sending every day. So it's a great thing to uh, check out if you are here in Vancouver. And they're keeping it open until after the games uh, is, like, well done, too, right? Like, like a couple weeks afterwards. They're sticking right through the Paralympics, which uh, they, develop, they deserve huge props for, I think. And by the time, like, by this weekend... They'll have had more people come through Canada's northern house than actually live in Canada's north, which is kind of an interesting little statistic to think about. 
Now, the other narratives that are coming out of the games that people are glomming onto are the weather. There's been a lot of rain, um, which has been uh, thwarting some of the events, both at Cyprus and up in Whistler, and that's getting a lot of international play, as though Van Ock or anyone else can control the weather, right? You know, a lot of things you can blame them for, but that ain't one of them. Then transportation has been pretty chaotic for the last few days. It's settled down as people realize, well, you really do have to make alternate arrangements. But, and that's from kind of like a public transport standpoint. But then to get up to the venues, you have to park or go to a rendezvous point, and you put on shuttle buses that they brought in from all over the U.S. to drive people up. The problem was they got all these buses up from California with drivers from California, and you're expecting them to drive up these mountain, twisty, wet mountain roads. And, well, it's caused a little bit of concern. Plus, you've been seeing these media buses driving around everywhere. You'll have this big full-size bus with six people on it, so it's not very eco as well. And a lot of people have kind of picked up on that. Because, you know, some of these is the green games. and Well, it doesn't seem all that green, right? So, today things step it up another, another level, so to speak, where the um, men's hockey tournament gets underway. As I mentioned, I'll be seeing Russell Lockheed tonight, so I'm hoping to... Throughout the time here, meet up with some more Latvian hockey fans. Uh, today, there was a meet and greet with the Latvian president out at UBC Golf Course that I really would have liked to go to, but what can I tell you, man? You know, man's got to make a living, right? But over the next few days, I'll be seeing some more hockey games, and, uh, well, who knows what else, right? But wherever I'm at, I'll try and take you along in my pocket and tell you what's going on, you know, the way I see it all out here uh, from the street view, right? Because... You ain't going to see that from those plastic carriers newscasters that are telling you the news, especially that tape delay. Like, what's with NBC putting everything on delay? Because everyone knows already the results by the time NBC's even shown it. So it's a little bit weird, even in this time-shifted universe. So there's a few things to chew on. I'm going to maybe grab myself a quick beverage here before I go in the monstrous lineup to get into the hockey rink. You're not allowed to bring, like, pretty much anything. And uh, so I'm traveling with a scaled-down backpack. It's actually caused a little bit of uh, concern in my daily routine because, you know, I pack my lunch, and I can't really take in my little metal Indian stainless steel lunch can. I can't take it home with me or my computer or whatever because I'd have to haul it in and go through security. Ooh, and at, like, the Yale Town Life site, they wouldn't even let you take in sandwiches. Fortunately, I pulled a hand solo and smuggled a few sandwiches in and a piece of cake so I didn't have to spend 20 bucks to get a... Bison sandwich, which is a hamburger made of buffalo. All right, carry on, and I will see you at the rink, or the curling rink, or the long track skating rink, or somewhere else. <laughs> 